that if anything that the Lord is looking for from his people, it is our faith. That's the thing that the Lord is really interested in. Now, there are many things that could have made the Lord marvel, but they're not spoken of. The Lord could have marveled at the temple. He could have marveled at the city of Jerusalem. He could have marveled at the, the scenery from the mountain down into the, the valleys. But he marveled at a man's faith. And I want us tonight to look at the value of faith to the Lord and how he sees your faith, my faith, as a very precious and valuable Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We're going straight today to Romans 1.16, our little short message before we come to the main part. We have some gospel hymns today, of course, and we're looking at a soldier's faith from Luke chapter 7. In Romans 1.16, we have that great gospel text where Paul the Apostle said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And here we have in this particular text the gospel in a nutshell. What did the apostle mean for I am not ashamed? Well, the Jews had cast him off. They regarded him as an apostate. By the wise among the Gentiles, Paul had been persecuted, and he was despised. He was driven from place to place, regarded as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things. In 1 Corinthians 4.13, we find here that he was still not ashamed of the gospel. He had no such a firm conviction of its value and its truth. He had experienced so much of its consolation and had seen so much of its efficacy that he was so far from being ashamed of it. Therefore, he gloried and he rejoiced in the power of God unto salvation. People should be ashamed of many things in this world, such as crime or folly. They are ashamed sometimes of their own offenses, of the follies of their conduct when they come to reflect on it. But they are not ashamed of what they feel to be right. When a man is convinced that he has found truth, and where he has found something to stand upon principle, then they will contribute to his welfare and to the benefit of his fellow men. He will not surrender that truth. Such was Paul the apostle. Such were the views of God's servant about the gospel. And it is one of his favorite doctrines that they who believe on Christ shall not be ashamed. Over and over, you will find uh, these words right through the Gospels that the Apostle wrote. The Lord Jesus had said, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he be cometh into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now that begs the question today, are we 
ashamed? Are we embarrassed by the simplicity of the gospel? For many people, the gospel is too simple. It is, of course, uh, about blood atonement, about a man who died on a cross in agony and shame. And uh, there is a reproach to bear when you take up the message of the cross. Many people want to preach glorious things about social justice and so on. Uh, That's not the gospel. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And we need to stand where Paul stood, unashamed of the message of salvation by the cross, by the blood of Jesus, by the justifying work of the sacrifice offered at Calvary. May the Lord lead you to simple, clear faith and convictions about the cross of Calvary. Let's move now to our message, How Can It and Can It Be That I Should Gain, and then to A Soldier's Faith. I don't think tonight I need to preach Romans chapter 4, where you have two outstanding men who are given examples, Abraham and David, who were both justified by faith. That means just as if they'd never sinned, made right with God. And so no matter what personal character and qualities you have, the one thing the Lord is looking for is your faith your trust, your receiving the grace, the mercy of the Lord Jesus. And of course, uh, even good men, no matter how good they are, without faith will never have done enough to be saved. And the great question always comes, when have I done enough if we're not saved by faith alone. And this gives great hope because the worst of men can be saved. There are many people who could not say, well, I'm like the centurion, and I'm generous, I'm kind, I'm uh, humble. Uh, They may be the roughest, toughest sinners in the neighborhood. They may be the most abhorrent and obnoxious characters imaginable. And yet we can preach this gospel to them. It is not your personal qualifications. It is by faith that you are made right with God. And if you put your faith in the finished work, the redeeming work of the Lord, you can be a Christian. And then the Lord can do a work within your life to bring about these other 
qualities and qualifications. And so we can say that faith is the key that unlocks the grace of God to you. It's not your general generosity. It's not your general humility. It's not your general concern about the sick. But it is your faith that opens up the very grace of God to your soul. Faith is the check that brings to you all the riches of the gospel into your heart. So we learn here the vital place of faith. Now, secondly, we have the vitality of faith. Now, I know I'm a preacher, and I like to alliterate and get V's for where I can, and we'll try that tonight, but I think this works because vitality means the energy, the very thing that makes this work. And you look at the vitality of this man's faith, and you follow the events of this account. Well, first of all, the servant got sick. The centurion heard about the Lord Jesus, who had already done many miracles. Now, remember, this was Capernaum, and Capernaum was the center of our Lord's ministry for his Galilean ministry. It was his home away from home, away from Nazareth, during those years of Galilean ministry. And Capernaum and the Capernaumites became witnesses of many such miracles. Another who was, uh, had a miracle uh, given him was the nobleman whose son was raised to life. And in John 4.50, I want you to notice this because it's going to come up very important here. Uh, John chapter 4 and verse 50. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. Now, if you're marking your Bible, I want you to underline that the man believed the Word. You ask me tonight, what is the vitality of faith? It is the Word of the Lord. Now, this centurion, and it would be difficult to prove the order of the miracles of the Lord Jesus in some of these cases, but just let's say that the centurion heard about that miracle of the nobleman's son, and he learned how that nobleman latched onto the Lord's word. Let's see what he did now. Luke 7, verse 7. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. And here is the vitality of faith. Here is where what em, empowers our faith. It's not faith in nothing. It's not faith in thin air. It is faith in the actual Word of the Lord, because there is the authority of that Word. And that is the essence of real faith in the Lord Jesus. The Lord said it. I believe it. And if the Lord should command the word, it shall be done. 
Now, that elevates the Lord Jesus to the realm of being God and of being God's Word, the Logos, the Word of the Father. And this centurion's faith was given power and effectiveness because it was in just the spoken word. Say in a word. Now, think of how the world was created. Indeed, I went back to Genesis 1 and reminded myself of this, and it said over and over again that when God created the world in Genesis 1, how did he do it? He just spoke. He spoke each stage of the creation into being. In verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. It was a creative act by the spoken Word of God. And you go down that chapter, and you'll count nine times, and the Lord said, verse 5, and God called the day night. Verse 6, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And it was so. Verse 9, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Again, it was done. Verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. That's the creation of the moon and the stars. And it was so. Verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. There's all the sea creatures. And then verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. And again, it was so. Verse 26, let us make man in our image. And then down in verse 29, God said, God said. So it is the word of God by which the world was created. Now, when you go to the book of Hebrews, and you'll find that this is emphasized in the realm of faith now. Hebrews 11.3, and this is the chapter of faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, the Word of God, and what power there is in God's Word. That's the vitality of our faith. Then go back to Hebrews 1, verse 2 and 3, and you'll see this again. Hebrews chapter 1, 2, "...hath in these last days spoken unto us by a Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of this person, and upholding all things by the word of his power." Now, this centurion learned that secret. He learned, and as I say, I, I could not prove the order of miracles that it was by the noble man and how he trusted in the word of the Savior to heal his son or raise his son from the dead. I could not prove the order of events, but it seems to me that the word was out. This man, Jesus, just needs to speak. He doesn't need to do anything because there's authority in his word. Now, did the centurion really latch onto that? Did he really grasp the significance of that? Well, let's look at his own example 
in Luke 7, verse 8. He says to the Lord, Say in a word, and my servant shall be healed, for I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And that example that the centurion gave, he said, I have been given authority to command men just at a word. I just say the word. I give the command. Lord, you're God. You're the creator of the world. You just have to say the word, and my servant will be healed. And it was that faith that made the Lord Jesus marvel. It was that example that the centurion gave that made the Lord rejoice in this grasp of the significance of faith and how it works. Now, to us tonight, our faith is in the Word that the Lord has spoken. The many promises that we have, uh, the Lord says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, and ye shall find rest for your souls. And so such promises we take at, at the Lord's Word. The Lord spoke it. We claim it by faith. Or for salvation, all they that come to me I will in no wise cast out. And my sheep hear my voice. The Lord speaks. God's sheep, our own people, respond to that very voice of the Lord. Now, we need that kind of faith. And we need to take God's book, God's Word, that He has spoken and written for us. This is now to us the living, powerful Word of God. And we need to put our faith in that Word and our trust in the sufficient power of the Lord. Now, when we go to prayer, we should go to prayer with our Bible open. We should be praying for the very things that the Lord has spoken and written and recorded for our learning, and take them to the Lord. And in situations where we don't know what to do, we just say, Lord, now I bring the case to you. Speak the word. Command the blessing. So there's the vitality of faith. It is taking the Lord at his word. Just say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. That brings us to the final part of this, and that is the victorious power of faith. Now, it was victorious before the people. In verse 9, uh, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him. And here now is the Lord Jesus advertising this man's faith, and it was a faith that was victorious before the people. Here was this man's witness. Now, this was a, a very high commendation. This was a very high recommendation. And the Lord was certainly well pleased with this man. It was victorious for the servant, because we learn in verse 10 that he found the servant whole that had been sick. That means he was completely better. And that's typical of Jesus' miracles. There's no one 
healed just a little bit. No one who said, well, you know, I just might be a tad better today. No. When the Lord healed the blind, they could see. When the Lord healed the lame, they could leap. When the Lord raised the dead, they could go back to life as before. That's just the mark of the way that Jesus worked. And that was just like him. And this servant of the centurion was now made whole, completely better, fit as a fiddle, ready for his work, ready to go back to his duties and be a servant to this centurion. Also, it was victorious, of course, for the Lord. All of these things, of course, were done in public. And this was now adding to the repertoire of the Lord's miracles. And the centurion who sought out the Lord, sent Jewish leaders to go and fetch the Lord. He intercepted him somewhere. He didn't bring him to his house, but he met with him. And if you study Matthew's account in Matthew 8, you will get how they did have a personal interview, the centurion with the Lord, and said, just say the word. Now, that was great faith, but it also required a great miracle to correspond with the faith. If the Lord didn't perform the miracle, well, that would have raised many questions. This man claims to be the Son of God. He has been able to heal others, but can he heal this centurion servant? Well, he did. And so this was a victory for the Lord. It was also a victory for the centurion, who was burdened, who had a servant that was ill, and, of course, he was perfectly healed back to his duty again, and it was victorious. Faith is always rewarded by the Lord. The Lord said on one occasion, according to your faith, be it unto you. And, of course, uh, there's many ways in which the Lord rewards our faith. He can give us a peace about the matter, we can rest our case with the Lord and just say, well, I leave it to you. Or we can pray and get the victory and get the answer. And certainly the centurion uh, won that. But the Lord marveled. And the Lord made this centurion. Here we are tonight talking about him and rejoicing. And so the Lord can take faith, even as a mustard seed, a little genuine faith. And if it's placed in the right way in the Word of the Lord, God can make it a tremendous blessing. And of course, when people are converted, everyone is a miracle. And when we pray for souls to be saved and lives to be changed, it is a new creation. It is the creative, miraculous power of the Lord himself. The Lord marveled. I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. What's the Lord looking as he scans our hearts tonight? He's looking for faith. And again, I get back to this point. You may have many good qualities, but you must have faith and rest your soul in the gospel of the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
You must trust him, placing your whole eternal welfare in the word in the hands of the Lord. Have you done that? And the Lord sees that faith, and he rewards it, and he saves you. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. 
located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word. Music